week in sports, NFL week one, NBA game sevens. We're here to break it down. And this week, we're going to get even, it's going to be even better. We've got NFL week two, NBA conference finals, US Open golf. We've got Mike joining us on the pod today. We're going to break it all down for you. And plus, after going 75% on our week one picks, we have four more games that we love in week two. We'll be picking one lock and one upset. The lock is a team versus, versus any team versus spread, and the upset is an underdog to win outright, which we hit on in the path last week. Uh, Jerry, we might be needing more than two TVs for this week. Yeah, absolutely awesome week coming up here. I'm excited to get into it. But first, man, I mean, we talked about the NFL, the NFL season preview. And uh, what better way to kick off this podcast than a week one controversial call? The offensive pass interference, Rams, Cowboys. I'm talking Sunday night football. Uh, you know that I was super high on the Cowboys, but I did say they were going to have a tough matchup week one against this Rams team. A lot of upside on the Rams. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so the Rams, when they're healthy, they're going to be a good team. They're line dominated. Aaron Donald's an absolute freak in the middle. Thought uh, McCarthy, it looked like the final years in Green Bay, poor decision making, bad play calling, getting screwed by the by the uh, refs, uh, as you said. I thought that call wasn't horrible. I thought it could have gone either way, to be honest. But the Cowboys lost that game because they just could not do anything on offense. Uh, and, and yeah, the, I think the Rams are good. I wouldn't write the Cowboys off yet. But uh, the Cowboys didn't look great in that, in that game, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What you said it pretty much hits it. Uh, they have a big game coming up uh, this week against the Falcons, which we're going to talk about. I'm excited to get into that. But, yeah, apparently, so they still have Kellen Moore on the staff, who was the offensive coordinator under Jason Garrett, and that makes absolutely zero sense to me. If you're going to bring in a new coach, I guess it was McCarthy's decision to keep him around, but the offense just looks so stale. I just don't understand how you don't have a better offense with all the weapons that Dak has. You know, C.D. Lynn might be the best receiver on the team, and then you follow that with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and then, you know, Zeke had his one touchdown, you know, unveiled the new. Uh, belly tattoo, but really disappointing to see Kellen Moore still there. And I actually texted a buddy of mine that, you know, it's going to come down to McVay versus McCarthy. Like, who do you want in the fourth? Obviously, you're going to take McVay there. Um, and so really disappointed with the Cowboys. Not upset about it. Self-proclaimed Cowboys hater, but still expecting big things for them out of the season. This week is going to be pretty big for them early on, or good early on test. Yeah, so I like the Cowboys too, not quite as much as you, but I, I think that, the, you know, the Rams are a good team. I wouldn't write them off after this game. Uh, first game under a new coach, but uh, but yeah, it, you know both teams have big games week two. Um, but Jerry, anything else on this one? Yeah, I mean the Rams. I, I agree. I like I like them kind of like you like them. But the thing is that division is crazy. You know, we just saw the Cardinals uh, with the big upset win, um, and then the Seahawks looked absolutely awesome. And so I think still that division is is really up for grabs. And I still like a couple of the other teams um, over the Rams in that division. But you know another division under under a uh, heavy, heavy competition is the NFC South. And, you know, we kicked it off with Saints Bucks week one, you know, Brady versus Breeze. Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a lot closer than it really was. Um, my guy Brady looked like he had some, some issues with, you know, either receiver timing or whatnot, but I, I think it's really way too soon to say, Oh, like he's old, he's 43, you know, he can't do what he used to do. You know, Bruce Arians wants to stretch this field, like wants to be vertical and throw down the field. And we know Mike Evans wasn't healthy. Um, I think, you know, it, I'm not ready to give up on it just one week into the season against the Saints because, you know, we knew going into the season that they were presumable, you know, division favorites and that they were going to be a very competitive top three team in the NFC. 
to I think both of these teams honestly are a little bit overrated. The Bucks uh, with Brady just looked out of sorts. I think their line isn't very good, and that's going to be an issue all year with Brady unless they figure out a way to short up. Like Brady can't really make plays um, when he's under duress anymore. Uh, the defense I don't think was great. I don't think the Saints' offense is that good either. Drew Brees can't throw the ball more than, like, 15 yards down the field anymore. That never gets talked about. And also, Drew Brees in big games, something I wanted to bring up, like, he's Drew Brees is not good in the playoffs, so I would hold our horses about the Saints and Bucks being, I know Troy Aikman said, like, this could be a, a conference championship preview. It's like, whoa, like, I don't know if either of these teams, neither of these teams made it out of the first round last year. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to ask you about Brees. Like, what do you think about him? Yeah, it's good that you mentioned that because it's really noticeable that he can't throw it like he used to throw it. He looks a lot older. I know he was mulling retirement this offseason. And honestly, maybe Brady and Brady should have got their retirement a year earlier. Um, it, yeah, it definitely looks like he's struggling and has to rely a ton on Kamara and Michael Thomas. And now we know, you know, Michael Thomas is going to be out uh, with a calf injury or limited um, going forward. And so that's going to be a real detriment to the Saints offense. I think that, you know, Sean Payton is going to have to continue to be very creative, use more Taysom Hill. Um, it's going to be a fun one. But as far as creative guys go, I wanted to talk about new young and up and coming quarterback uh, for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Um, we, you know, I said that the Niners were going to have somewhat of a Super Bowl hangover and to look out for this Cardinals team. You know, they're on the come up, but. I didn't necessarily see the Cardinals actually pulling off this upset against the Niners week one. Um, and that, that was a really, really fun game in the afternoon. Totally. And the Cardinals should have even won by more. Their kicker missed a few field goals. Uh, Kyler Murray is electric. Like they finally unleashed him in the running game. And that was insane. That guy is so fast and quick. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is also such a good security blanket for the, um, quarterback like he i think he really helped watson out we're gonna see that this year and now he's helping uh he's gonna help murray out their defense looked improve uh to touch on the niners the niners have a ton of injuries uh garoppolo i don't think he's very good and uh losing defoe is big and so that yeah the niners niners aren't gonna i, I don't think the niners are gonna make the playoffs i'll say that right now uh the niners are not gonna make the playoffs here yeah, I actually really like that. You know, usually I'm the guy to defend Jimmy G. I do want to say we definitely should have gone a first-round pick for him uh, in the trade to the Niners. Absolutely ridiculous that we only got a second-round pick for him. But, yeah, I just now, you know, after that, after he's had this, been the starter for a couple of years, I don't think he can be the guy that carries your team. He has to have weapons around you and defense. And like you said, they lost some key pieces. They're pretty banged up. Um, and George Kittle now, Jimmy's go-to guy, is injured. And so... Yeah, I don't see the Niners making the playoffs either. I actually really like that opinion out of you um, for this team. Yeah, and Sherman's out too. And, and touching on the Jimmy G thing, like I don't think he can even be a, like the game manager type to win. Like you said, he needs to have a good defense and running game. Like that's what they had last year, and they didn't win with him. So I don't know. Like I don't know. No, I mean I think he's a pretty like average quarterback. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think you still want him over like the bottom half of the league. Um, or some reason. So I think he's definitely competent. It's like, you know, I, I would personally want Jimmy G over Carson Wentz, which, you know, I want to get to. Whoa. Okay. I would, I think Jimmy G is like probably one of the top, the, one of the 10 worst uh, quarterbacks who's starting in 
in the uh, NFL. And, yeah, I wouldn't want him on my team. And the fact that you guys even got a second-round pick for him is pretty nice. Like, Jimmy G is not very good. <laughs> like, Yeah, but at the time, Brady, you can't – I mean, that's revisionist history right there. Like, we definitely could have gotten a first round. I'm pretty sure the Browns were offering way more than Belichick set up for the Niners. He wanted his guy to be in a good situation. And he was in a good situation with Kyle Shanahan. Um, yeah, but he was in a great like, situation, and he's not been good. And I think he's probably going to not be the starter in two to three years. Um, so interested to see how that develops. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely going to have to uh, keep my eye on the Niners situation. I, I like Jimmy G. You're clearly not as high on him. But a guy we're both high on here, Aaron Rodgers and your Packers, uh, looked awesome this Sunday. We both like them out of the north. Um, the Vikings didn't look that good. Uh, they have some issues. Uh, your thoughts on your team? Yeah, so if you listen to this pod last week, we were all over the pack getting points against Minnesota, and that was just about the most ridiculous line I've ever seen. Like, Packers are a better team. Aaron Rodgers is saying he's the, this is the best he's felt since 2011, uh, one of his MVP seasons. Like, LaFleur is a really good coach. The Packers' defense is also pretty good. Great pass rush, good secondary. Um, yeah, I really like the Packers this year. Uh, I think they're the best team in the NFC. Would you agree with that? No, so I, my pick again is the Seahawks, and they looked really good against the Falcons, but I think like they're on a collision course. Um, I got to check if they play this season, but if they do, that's going to be a, probably the biggest game of the year in the NFC. Yeah, they don't play, but the Packers play, do play the Saints next week on the, I think it's, I think it's uh, Thursday night football. It might be Monday night. So yeah, Packers Saints, that's going to be a, a fun one next week. Um, Packers are really good. I think they'll go down to New Orleans and win that, but we'll save that one for next week. Let's go to your team, Jerry. Cam, he looked pretty good against the Dolphins. Uh, what, what do you see? Cam, we got ourselves a quarterback. Oh, my goodness. This offense, I think, is not even scratched the surface yet on what we're going to do. You know, we saw a lot of options. Uh, we're obviously very clearly not going to be a very heavy passing team. And so it's going to be, it's going to look a lot like a college offense. It seems like. So we're going to see some Saturdays on Sunday for the Patriots uh, with a lot of read options between him and Michelle, him and James White. Um, I want to see more out of Nikhil Harry. You know, there was a drop it towards the end zone, which was unfortunate. Um, he's just got to be better in year two. Like you can't just keep meandering about out there. But as far as what I've seen from Cam, Sign me up, man. If we can give him an extension on a team-friendly deal, I'm all for it. Yeah, I didn't like uh, Harry coming out of the draft from ASU. Um, But to Cam, uh, let me throw this at you, Jerry. They put up 21 points. It was the first time they've ever seen Cam in in the uh, Pats jersey. Had no idea what the offense was going to look like. We're not prepared at all. They put, put up 21 at home against the Dolphins, so... Either the Dolphins' defense is really good or the Patriots' offense isn't that good. So what, what are your thoughts on that, Dave? I mean, I definitely think that we could have won by more, you know, if Nikhil doesn't fumble there going into the end zone. Um, so there, there's one part there. But I don't, I don't think the Dolphins' defense is as bad as people might think it is. You know, they got a lot of pieces like Van Noy now and Byron Jones, um, and they're pretty well coached. So I think it's, it's a little bit of a mix of both. It's the first time we're kind of showing this offense um, and we haven't actually opened up the playbook yet. And so I don't think we really know what the final iteration of the Pats or the Dolphins is going to be in this division. Yeah, I would agree. And both have big games 
week two. Um, let's get to another team that has a huge game week two, and that's the Eagles after looking horrible against Washington. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Wentz. Like, partly it's not his fault, but they're just not playing good football. They haven't played good football since they won the Super Bowl. Uh, not looking, not looking bright in Philly. No, I mean, you know that I'm super, super low on Carson Wentz. Um, I don't like, I just don't think he can be your franchise guy. Like he hasn't shown it. The Eagles don't have weapons. Uh, they really only have Ertz and Goddard. I know they're trying to count on Jalen Rager, but until, you know, he's proven, I don't really like that so much. Their offensive line was banged up. I think they have Lane Johnson coming back this week. Um, I think their defense is suspect. Uh, I know that they're supposed to compete with the Cowboys for this division, but I still think the Cowboys are way ahead despite their loss. So, yeah, the Eagles have a pretty big test against this Rams team. You know, we just saw they beat the Cowboys. Um, and they're, you know, we, we both like the Rams, and I'm, you know, not confident at all in the Eagles. And so this is a really, really early week two test for them. And if they're going to be competitive in this NFC, you know, they, they got to show what they're made of this week. Totally. And uh, talking about a week two test, our guy Joe Burrow on the road in Cleveland against a mediocre at best Cleveland team. You think Joe Burrow can pull this one out on the road? Uh, no, I, for some reason, whatever reason, I'm still rolling with the Browns this Thursday night. Um, but that being said, Joe Burrow game one passes the NFL sniff test. Like that guy, it looks like a pro quarterback. Uh, the Bengals definitely got their guy for the next, uh, 10, 15 years. The only issue with, with the team right now is that their offensive line can't protect Burrow at all. 100%. The line looked horrible. Uh, Burrow reminds me of, of Tony Romo, the way he like moves in the pocket and just kind of does some like crazy stuff, but it seems to work out. Um, and yeah, the, I think, I think Burrow's going to be a, a legit player. Um, and, and this game was interesting. Um, one, definitely one of the games I considered for my uh, lock of the week which we'll get to later after our next segment. Uh, the NBA is uh, rolling along here, and the Celtics-Raptors series has wrapped up. Celtics won that in seven. That was pretty crazy. We have Celtics heat now in the uh, conference finals, as well as uh, Nuggets-Lakers after the Clippers had a monumental choke job against the Nuggets. But uh Let's get to the Celtics-Raptors game first, Jerry. You wanted to hit on some of the officiating in this game? Atrocious. Game six, Celtics-Raptors. Uh, there was no reason the Celtics should have lost game six. Celtics should have wrapped it up then. Uh, there were no calls going the way of the Celtics at all, except for one illegal screen against us that honestly was unavoidable. Like They had to call it um, really to even show that the refs were paying attention in any way. Uh, they clearly wanted a game seven. I don't really know what was going on with that. Um, it looked like they were doing everything they could, uh, to get to a game seven and help out the Raptors. Um, so, I, I mean, I was texting you throughout that game about how, how, you know, upset I was about it. Um, and not to be that Boston fan, but I mean, I've never seen, you know, officiating so egregious like that, but I am happy that it didn't affect the series outcome in the end. Um, game seven, we took it by five points, you know, Tatum, 29 points, 12 boards, really becoming the superstar that he's meant to be for this Boston team. Uh, huge fan of him. So also, you know, thrilled. I don't have to see Kyle Lowry anymore, you know, say what you want. He's basically the Marcus Smart of, uh, the Raptors with a much better shooting, even though Marcus Smart has looked good from range this, this series. And actually I like that they're leaving him open. Smarty, keep taking it, man. He's making the seas look great. Um, 
but yeah, the right team won against the in round two against the Raptors. Uh, and then let's get to this the Celtics Heat game one. Wow, man, what a game! What an absolute game that was. Uh, this series, you know, Celtics were favored in game one. I could easily see this one going seven. Uh, the thing about it is, though, the Heat have much more depth than the Celtics do, which really, really worries me. Um, they shoot the ball well from distance. They, you know, have guys that are pretty tough on defense. Um, and, you know, Butler on the last drive against Tatum just finished through contact and won. You know, you can't really stop that. There's not much more Tatum could have done. And then, you know, we got to talk about the BAM block, which was just one of the most iconic moments in, you know, Eastern Conference Finals and playoff history in basketball. Um, so I know it's a lot to unpack, but, you know, I'll let you uh, take it from here. Yeah, so first off with the Celtics-Raptors, like, the officiating has been horrible. I don't think they're trying to screw you guys over. They've just been horrible all playoffs. And, yeah, uh, Siakam sucked, and that's why they lost the series. If he was good, they would have won that series. Uh, no one thought he'd be as bad as he was. But um, getting on to the Celtics' heat, yeah, the Heat are just, like, in, in modern-day NBA, you don't get these teams that are actually, like, built really well, um, who might not have the best stars, but they're just built really well. And so the Heat have Dragic, Butler, Bam, who can all do different things. They're, they can all uh, add something to the team. Then you've got guys like Hero, Crowder, who can shoot. You've got so my that. thing is Hero, there's no way Tyler Hero's a rookie. I mean, what he's doing, I mean, he's been in the league for, like, eight years. Um, I know he is a rookie, but I mean, what he's doing, he's not afraid of the moment at all. I mean, you know, game one, he has 11 boards, is one assist away from 10 and 12 points. I mean, he's one assist away from a triple-double, plays 40 minutes, uh, takes one of the the most clutch shots in the fourth, uh, you know, to tie up this game. And just absolutely great performance by him. Nothing I can do except tip my cap. And, you know, Tatum goes for 30 and 14 boards. Um, And so really the only thing that we're missing is Kemba shooting. I mean, Every shot that he takes besides the drive and then step back, which is money, it's like if he lets it go from three, you know, regular season all of his career, I'm very confident going in. But now it's like, you know, I, I worry. I don't know what's up with him. And, I, you know, I don't want to say it's been the injury. Maybe he's just in a funk right now. But, you know, I hope he gets it, you know, strained out as the series goes along. Yeah, I mean, with, with Kemba, it's just the classic. It, it happens every year. The classic small guard who gets – you know, he's playing on dead legs. He's got really tough defenders guarding him, and they're just not going to let him get the shots. And so he's not going to be efficient. Um, he, you know, he might get hot a game here or there, but, but yeah, he's definitely not going to be, you know, the consistent 25 a night shooting good percentages. Um, on Hero, I think part of the reason that these guys – some of these young guys are doing well is just the bubble is a lot like AAU basketball and Tyler hero has probably played in a lot of big AAU basketball games throughout his career. And I think this is just a, a very comfortable format for him. And you see guys like Jamal Murray, stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to get your prediction on the series, Jerry, where, what do you think happens? Oh man, I don't want to do this one because I do think the heat are, a slightly more well-rounded team. Um, I think both teams match up well with each other. So I don't think one team has the advantage when, you know, all five starting guys are on the floor. Um, I think it's whoever has the hot hand on any given night, but I, you know, I think, and I'm hoping that it goes seven, you know, to stress me out even more uh, over the next week and a half. 
Um, you know, is it sacrilegious of me to take the Heat in seven? I mean, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pick my Celtics to win the series in seven. Um, but I, the Heat are going to be really, really tough, especially after that game one loss for us. I mean, it, we, we led the whole game, but it never felt like we, you know, put it away, and we clearly didn't. Um, and the Heat are just one of those teams that, unless you bury them, like, they're not going to roll over. They're not afraid of anything. Well, yeah, and their three-point shooting down the stretch has just seen the, like, the Bucks are up 10 to 15 points in the first three games that they lost in pretty much all of them. And, and so, yeah, the Heat, they just get hot. They're, they play good defense. Their three-point shooters start making shots, and they, you know, give it to Butler down the stretch. And, and so, yeah, I'll take I'll take the Heat in, I think, six. Um, can easily see it going seven. Can easily see it going four or five. So I'll say six. I think the Heat are just a little bit better, more experienced. But Celtics have looked good. Uh, we're going to go to another team that's looked really good. The Nuggets beat the Clippers in Game 7. The Clippers, one of the biggest choke jobs, probably the biggest since they choked in 2015. Um, and, and yeah, Kawhi should have stayed in Toronto. Uh, Clippers shouldn't have traded for Paul George. I think both of these guys might leave in a year when they're free agents. Like, this is kind of a doomsday scenario for the Clippers. So many questions about this Clippers team. Got to agree with you there. So Kawhi had 14 in Game 7. And uh, Paul George had 10. Uh, so not definitely a bad performance out of that. Pandemic P, as we like to call him now, uh, you know, shriveled up again in the big moment. I also saw, you know, after the game that apparently the Clippers were fatigued and a couple guys asked to come out in the fourth. And it's like, what are you doing against game seven? Like, everything's on the line. Uh, like, you have nothing more to play for. Like, this is it. You know, you, you lose, you go home. So I don't understand that at all. Uh, I think yeah, Doc mismanaged it. Like, why does he have Lou Will in there? Uh, I, like, I don't yeah, – again, to your point, too, yeah, Kawhi definitely should have stayed with the Raptors. They have a much better supporting cast for him uh, than, than the Clippers do, it seems like. I don't know if they blow this up necessarily after two years. I mean, I'm sure the Clippers want to keep it together. I think it all depends on what Kawhi wants to do, but we know he wants to stay in Los Angeles. I think he just needs a better running mate than uh, Paul George. And – I've said before, and I stand by this, that I thought Kawhi was, you know, the one guy you want on your team uh, with game seven on the line. And so I don't know what's going on there. I still think Kawhi is the best or one of the best, you know, top two players in the league. Uh, I'm not changing my opinion on that. I just don't even know what to make this. And, you know, neither, but I haven't even said hats off to the Nuggets yet. Jamal Murray coming out party. Oh, my goodness. This guy is so much fun to watch. Yeah, I think Murray, part of it is the whole bubble shooting thing is, is definitely helped him. It's easier to shoot in the bubble. There's no crowd. There's You've got a better backdrop behind the hoop. So that's for sure helped Murray. Um, the Clippers, that I kind of touched on this in a previous pod, and I, I still picked them to, to uh, go to the finals, but their depth was just not as good as everyone made it out to be. Um, like Morris, Pat Bev, Zubots. Lou Will, Harrell are all all right players, but none of them are are that good of playoff guys. You know, they all have big flaws in their game. And and yeah, I think the depth just proved to not be good enough. And Kawhi and George got cold in, in game seven and, and they lost. And so this happened like in the NBA, there's not a lot of upsets, especially recently. And, and, and it's good to see a, a team like the Nuggets kind of shock everyone and beat the Clippers and send those guys home. And uh, 
And yeah, interested to see how this how this uh, Nuggets team does against the Lakers next series. Yeah, I mean, it's great that, you know, there's more upsets now. And uh, yeah, we, it's unfortunate that we don't get to see Los Angeles versus Los Angeles in the next round. But uh, turning to that Nuggets versus Lakers matchup, you know, I think that the uh, Nuggets are a more well-rounded team now, which is weird to say, you know, just two weeks ago, we, both of us weren't that high on the Nuggets. Um, but the Lakers, you know, obviously have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, probably the best two players in this series. I don't know if you want to throw Jokic in between there. Um, but what do you make of this upcoming Western Conference Finals? Part of me just thinks LeBron and AD are going to be too much. Um, but I also thought that about Kawhi and George. And so I'll give the Nuggets a chance in this one. Uh, if Murray plays really well, I, I don't really think the Lakers have an answer for him. Uh, while with Jokic, I think Davis is going to make it much harder on him to initiate offense and get anything in the post. So it's going to have to really be Murray and Harris and, and uh, Grant and Millsap and Porter. Those guys are going to have to come through. Uh, and, you know, they could. If they, if they shoot well and get hot, the Lakers' offense isn't that good, I think. I, I don't see Rondo and Morris having the series they did against the Rockets. So I'll go Lakers in six, but uh, definitely not sleeping on the Nuggets. Yeah, so, I mean, I like everything that you said there. As long as, again, Michael Porter Jr. involved in that offense and Jamal Murray stays shooting like he has been, I mean, you got to give them respect in the shot, um, again, with Jokic's passing and, you know, his nightly triple-doubles. Uh, but then, you know, I'm thinking about it more, and LeBron goes to eight straight finals, and I think people are kind of forgetting exactly how dominant he can be in a series when he, you know, turns it on after missing the playoffs last year. And so I've stopped questioning LeBron a long time ago. And so I'm going to go chalk here, taking the Lakers in six, kind of like you. Um, I think that, you know, LeBron and AD are going to be clicking in this series. I don't think they're going to be messing around with the first two. Um, they look good in the last series. And I think uh, LeBron's out for, I think he knows that it's his to lose at this point. Cause I mean, you just have the nuggets in the way and then either the Celtics are heat coming out of the East and uh, I, I think he's hungry this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Lakers have been tested yet. So we're going to see against some real competition. It, to me, it seemed like the Rockets gave up after game like two or three when house got ruled out. They were just like, all right, let's get out of here. Um, but yeah, uh, finals Lakers, Miami. If, if, if that happens, I think that would be a very interesting matchup. LeBron versus old team. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler, that would be uh, even versus Celtics. But um, I mean, we'll I think the more entertaining matchup is definitely, you know, Lakers Celtics, just because you have Tatum going up against LeBron. And I think like LeBron against Miami is so overrated as a storyline, just because like, I mean, none of the same guys are there from when he was there on the Heat, except Udonis Haslam, who doesn't even play. Uh, cool. So you think Pat Riley wouldn't be motivated to beat LeBron, the guy who, who ditched him in Miami? I mean, sure, but Pat Riley's not playing, not coaching. Uh, he doesn't really – I mean, sure, he put the roster together, but if anything, it comes down to Spolstra versus LeBron. But I know that LeBron has a crazy amount of respect for Eric Spolstra. And so I think LeBron's going to be motivated to win regardless of who it is. I don't think he needs the extra, oh, I'm playing against my former, my former Heat team to really you know, get him hyped up for what would be a finals matchup. Yeah, well, we'll get to the finals soon here on the pod once the matchups are set, but – the U.S. Opens this weekend, and uh, we're bringing on Mike to talk about the U.S. Open. Go check out his uh, his uh, article on the U.S. Open on Wingfoot. That was a really good article. Um, and so, yeah, happy to have Mike here. 
Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's it's a pleasure. I'm really excited for the tournament this week. I always view it probably as the second biggest tournament of the year behind the Masters. But I'm really excited this week for the tournament at Wingfoot. Um, I view it as one of the all-time classic courses. Um, you guys know much about the course, or should I kind of dive in? So I the the one thing I do remember is the uh, epic Phil Mickelson collapse. But uh, other than that, don't know much um, about it. Yeah, so the collapse is something, obviously, I've seen the replay of many times. All he needed was par to win. He double bogeys the last. But the course is really probably the hardest course they play in all of golf. Um, there's been five U.S. Opens there, and only one guy has finished under par. Um, other winning scores have all ranged from two over to seven over, including the famous 1974 massacre at Wingfoot. Um, but really the course should be a battle this week, which I love to see. I really love when the guys are out there struggling, complaining. Oh, they've lost the course, as Zach Johnson one time said. Um, that's really something I enjoy. Yeah, it's, yeah. Fun to, it's fun to see those guys struggle out there, right, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, seeing pro golfers look like amateur average, you know, Sunday golfers like like me out there is uh, always a fun, entertaining thing to watch, you know, see the pros get frustrated. Definitely. Um, it'll be tough. Like I said, the rough this week's going to be between five and six inches long, and it's thick. They're mowing it into the tee boxes, so the ball is just going to settle. Um and there's so many long holes, too. There's 10 par fours playing over 450 yards, um, which will be impossible. I think a few of the real intriguing holes, too, will be the short par fours, which will be drivable on certain days, depending on how the USGA plays them. But they're holes where you could get anywhere between an eagle if you hit an absolutely amazing shot like Colin Morikawa did in the PGA, or a guy could get a double or triple bogey without even thinking about it. So this course sounds like it sets up perfectly for a guy like Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, who are pretty long off the tee. Finding the fairway is going to be a premium. I mean, you definitely have to be a long hitter, but it's going to be one of those things where a ball could trickle off two yards off the fairway, and it might be a struggle to even find it. Um, The rough's going to be that long. I mean, and then getting it to the green from there, it might be a thing where you don't even want to get to the green, honestly, from what I'm hearing. The play will probably be to lay up if you're in that rough. Otherwise, you're going to short side yourself around a bunker or just really screw yourself around the green. So, yeah, I mean, a longer hitter will probably win, but it won't necessarily just be bomb it out there and play from the rough. Yeah, I I would agree with you on that, Mike. And it seems like the course is going to play really hard. Two guys that I kind of like, and then we'll get to your prediction. Uh, Xander Schauffele, he's been playing some good golf. I think he's due to have a have a top, you know, finish in a major. And uh, Jason Day, I like the way he looked at the PGA, and, and I think he's going to uh, win another major at some point soon. So those are my two guys that I really like. I really love the Xander Schauffele pick, too. Um, he's never done worse than top six in the U.S. Open, so... I think that's a great pick this week. I I mean, Dustin Johnson has been playing just such great golf. And not just, everyone likes to talk about his driver, but he's been putting the ball phenomenally. And the greens are going to be so tough this week. So it's ultimately going to come down to putting um, along with ball striking. So he would be my pick, but 
I love Xander Shoffley too, because golf is one of those sports where it's so tough to produce your best game, uh, you know, five weeks in a row, kind of like DJ has done. It's tough to say how he'll perform, but he'd be my pick. So Colin Morikawa is getting a lot of buzz too, and I did like him uh, a little bit, but it's really hard, as we know, to win multiple majors in one calendar year. And so I don't really like him to win it. Uh, Mike, I know I've been texting you a bunch the last couple of weeks between John Rahm and Dustin Johnson going back and forth week after week. Um, and I know it is hard to string together uh, multiple week, good weeks in a row in golf. Uh, but if anybody's going to do it, Dustin Johnson is the guy. When he is ball striking the way he has been these past couple of weeks, uh, nobody can catch him, even you know on the pro tour. He is Definitely. dusting the field. So I really like him to uh, take this tournament. Um, if John Rom can keep a cool head on his shoulders, um, then I like him as a, as a good play, too. I agree with that. John Rom played great at Olympia Fields, which played like a major championship. He won in a playoff with DJ, so he could definitely make a run. But if DJ's on, it'll be tough to beat. And when he drives the ball so straight, he'll be such, just a factor in every tournament. Totally, and, and yeah, we're really looking forward to the, to the uh, U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Sounds like it's going to play pretty hard. Um, Mike likes Dustin Johnson, Jerry likes Dustin Johnson, and John Rahm. And uh, yeah, I'm on the uh, Jason Day and Shockley train. And so yeah, go check out Mike's post on uh, 2TVSports.com about the U.S. Open. That's a really interesting read. Um, glad I looked through that. Get myself pumped for the, for the Open. And uh, as always, check out the... Uh, Coverage on on two TV sports Twitter page about uh the the, the U S Open will be on there and uh, yeah thanks for coming on Mike and giving us a golf update thanks for having me on guys let's cheers for some high scores this weekend right yes sir thanks Mike looking forward to that all right Tosh it's time for our lock of the week and upset of the week last week we went a combined three for four so we're off to a blazing hot start to this season I'm gonna start with my lock of the week. It's the New York Giants to cover five and a half points. The line was originally four and a half, and the Bears are getting some love as a heavy favorites. Not sure why. Maybe people like what they saw to Mitchell Trubisky at the very end of last week. I think it was just epic collapse by the Lions. Myself, uh, I think that the Giants also went up against a very, very, very tough defense in the Steelers. Um, I like Saquon Barkley to, you know, triple his running production that he had in week one, which we know was non-existent. Um, I really like the Giants to cover as my lock of the week. Yeah, I like that. I think it's it's going to be a three-point game. Uh, so I, three or four points, I like that. Um, agree with what you said about Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, I thought the Giants honestly moved the ball all right, uh, especially in the first half. Um, and, and Danny Dimes had a few mistakes in that game. So I like that pick as Jerry's lock of the week. My lock of the week, I'm riding the Green Bay Packers again. Last week, they were our upset. They pulled through for us. Green Bay, minus six at home against Detroit. Uh, last week, we looked great on the road uh, against the Vikings. And Aaron Rodgers on a mission this year. Uh, the Lions have a lot of injuries in this game. Their top three cornerbacks all might not be playing. Uh, Akuda might get his first start after not starting last week, which is kind of worrisome to me that he didn't win the battle out of camp. Uh, and so more rookie cornerbacks for Aaron Rodgers to dissect. Uh, 
The six points is a little worrisome to me, but I think this. I don't think this game's going to be close. Especially Galladay might just be coming back, somewhat injured still. Uh, Lions seem out of sorts, kind of, and I think Packers will put up thirty in this game. I don't think the Lions get the twenty-four, and so I like the Packers minus six is my lock of the week. And I think this game is going to be a shootout. Um, yeah, like you said, lack of defense there on the Lions. Um, if the Packers play like they did last week, I like them to cover that six. Um, but yeah, the line's a little bit big for me. I'm personally staying away from this one. Um, but you know, you're Packers guy. I like the way you're thinking here. I'm going to stay in the division now for my upset of the week. Uh, I have the Minnesota Vikings upsetting the Colts. It's a three point game. The Colts are favored. You're way higher on the Colts than I am. Uh, I think the Vikings are a better team overall than the Colts. Um, and so I, that line just jumped out to me. Uh, I, you know, the Colts played the Jacksonville Jaguars last week and lost that game. And then I thought the Vikings played okay against the Packers. I know it was pretty much turned into a blowout, um, but I'm thinking they're looking to bounce back here. Um, I think it'll be pretty close. And so I'm liking the Vikes to uh, upset your Colts. Yeah, this is going to be the classic game where Philip Rivers comes down to the wire like last week, even though they, the Colts didn't punt, still got Phillip Rivers, and he's going to make it interesting. And, and yeah, I think it could go either way. I don't really have confidence in the Colts anymore. I'm kind of off that bandwagon <laughs> They're, uh week one. Took a while. Yeah, it took a while. One week against the Jags. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Their defense just isn't that good. I think that's the issue. Um, like I said, they didn't punt. So, now that South is wide open, though, too. Like, I like the Titans coming out of that division, yeah, and they look the terrible. Um, and the Texans, you know, we don't know what they are because they went up against the Chiefs. So that division now is, you know, wide open. I like the Titans in that division. But uh, getting to my upset of the week, I like the Las Vegas Raiders getting six points at home versus the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. The Raiders are going to win this game. Um, Drew Brees can't throw it deep. He doesn't have Michael Thomas. The Raiders better know this, and they're going to stack up on the run. Kamara is not going to be able to run. He's not the best runner within the tackles. I'm not worried about Latavius Murray. Um, the Saints' defense is pretty good, but I think the Raiders are going to be able to run it, the ball on them. The Raiders' O-line is looking really good. The first game in the new stadium. They're gonna, the Raiders came out 1-0. They got a big win on the road last week at Carolina. They're going to come out rocking first game in Vegas. Like, how am I not going to pick the Las Vegas Raiders here to upset the Saints? You know, I don't love it. Uh, I like the factors that you mentioned going into it. Uh, I just don't trust this Raiders team. Until the Saints really implode, I still kind of like them. Uh, as far you know, the Raiders might cover at home. I don't think the home card really matters, even though they are unveiling that new stadium, which looks awesome. Uh, I am I'm kind of hesitant about this one, but... That would be a hell of an upset on Monday Night Football. And, and part of it, too, is Gruden back on Monday Night Football. That You know, the Jacobs is going to be running hard. Their line's going to be running hard. Like, I think I, I could see a situation where Jacobs runs for, like, 150 yards on Monday Night Football and the Raiders come out and win this game, like, 24-17, and everyone's like, it's Drew Brees wash. Like, there'll be that conversation after this game. Yeah, that would be great. Do you know if Henry Ruggs is playing? Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks like Henry Ruggs is going to be out there. So uh, that opens up the offense. You've got Waller. You've got Ruggs. 
you've got Aguilar, you've got Jacobs, you've got a very solid O-line, you've got a defense that has improved. Even though they gave up 30 points to the Panthers, I think the Panthers' offense is pretty electric. Um, and so there are locks and upsets of the week. Check out our Instagram for updates on those. Um, keep track with us. And, uh, and yeah, let's get to some, some games we're looking forward to for next week, week two, and then we'll get out of here. Um, game I'm looking forward to is Ravens-Texans. Let's see if the Texans are a legit contender or if they're more of an 8-18. Eight and 18. So, yeah, this one's tough, though, for the Texans because they're going to go Chiefs week one and Ravens week two, who I think are the two best teams in the AFC. Um, and so let's say the Texans lose that. They're 0-2, um, but we don't really know how good they are you know, in that AFC South going up against the two presumable best teams in the AFC. Uh, I think it's going to be a real fun one. I think Deshaun Watson is going to have a lot on his plate, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I like the Ravens in that game. Um, they looked awesome last weekend, even though it was against the Browns. Uh, and I'm not even sure how good or not good the Browns are. We're going to check that out, you know, going into this Thursday night football game against the Bengals. Yeah, I, I, I think if the Texans are a legit threat, if they're going to go, you know, 10-6, and six, they've got to at least compete in this game, and I think they might get blown out. So we'll keep our, our eye on that and how Deshaun looks without Hopkins. But moving over to Sunday night football, we've got Pats at Seahawks. Uh, Jerry, does your team stand a chance in this game? Ooh, baby, this is a fun week two matchup for us. I think this is a big test for both teams. Um, I actually think the Seahawks are the better team in a neutral site, which basically this season is. Um, I think their defense is rock solid. Like, I know they gave up, well, they gave up, you know, 400 yards passing to Matt Ryan, but as a team in total, they have Jamal Adams now, and, you know, Russ looks like he's on his MVP tour this season. Um, I, you know, the Pats defense gets better uh, deeper in the season as we turn into November, December. We see them lose most of their games in September. Um, and so I like the Seahawks in this one. I'm interested to see in what our, you know, read option, option offense looks like against uh, who I think is, you know, the best team in the NFC. Yeah, totally. And some, some last ones just to quickly hit on our, uh, you know, Dallas and, and Atlanta. Atlanta's playing in Dallas. Two teams that we like to start the year, both 0-1. It's going to be interesting to see who pulls this one out. I kind of like Dallas at home, but uh, you never know with this Falcons team. Their offense is pretty potent. I mean, if Dallas loses this game, right, where do you put the panic meter on them? It, I think not terribly high. I still like them in that division, even if they lose. Because uh, that division winner is going to be like 9-7, and seven, like always. Yeah. So it doesn't actually matter, right? Yeah. yeah, no, I think, yeah, like you were saying, this Falcons offense, insane. Um, and, you know, I like I mentioned, the Cowboys offense has all the makings to be, you know, top five in the league. And so I'm hoping this game is a shootout as, you know, a neutral fan. Um, I think this game won't be that telling of how good either team is because um, they kind of mirror each other in that way. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, last one is Buffalo-Miami. I think one of these teams gets into the playoffs. I thought Miami looked decent up there in New England, especially their defense. So if they can beat Buffalo at home, I think that's going to be a big statement win for them and uh, going to you know help them make the playoffs. No, no, no. See, I've been watching Buffalo-Miami my entire life as an AFC East uh, division participant. This game is going to come down to a field goal. Uh, it's always a ton of punts. Limited offense, you know, runs getting stuffed. I am so out on this game. I think Buffalo is the second best team in the AFC East. Um, so I give them the edge there. 
but I am so not interested in watching another Buffalo-Miami game. I'm interested to see how Miami looks, and I'm not sleeping on them. I'm also not sleeping on New Orleans. They're on upset watch for me. Stay uh, on the lookout for that. Jerry, anything else you want to add before uh, we sign off here? Keeping my eye on uh, the Buccaneers going up against the Panthers, another division game. Uh, you mentioned that the Panthers' offense is great. Uh, I'm going to see if the Bucs can uh, keep pace and limit their, their offensive penalties. Yeah, definitely interested to see that one. Um, and, and, yeah, there, there's our pod for the day. So looking forward to Thursday night football tonight, the U.S. Open this weekend. As always, stay updated on the 2TV Sports Twitter feed, Instagram, at 2TV Sports. Bunch of fun stuff on there. Uh, NBA bracket challenge is coming to an end. We've got Luke Smith in first place, hoping to hold on to it. He needs a Nuggets uh, Miami finals. And so uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition for him. And yeah, as always, uh, 2TV Sports likes to thank our audience for listening and getting to the end of this pod. And uh, if you have any feedback, feel free to give it to us. And uh, 2TV Sports is signing off the mic.